for all of us. And if we can just tap into that, if we can just grab hold of that by faith and begin to live that life through His empowering grace, we will see miraculous, amazing things come to pass. We will be more fulfilled and happy than we've ever been, that we can ever imagine or that we could ever create in our own if we were planning our own life. God has a dream for you, for me, for every person. It's just a matter of us living that out, accepting that by faith. Amen? And so um, what's great about that, you know, that, that, that God has this dream for us is in many ways, if you listen to any of our pastors or you go to any of our campuses, you're going to see that the ministry that happens there, whether it's pulpit ministry, preaching or prayer or whatever, it, it flows out of that passion, you know. Because you look at people and you think, God has a dream for you. And you see brokenness. Or you see things that are happening. And you know that's not God's dream. That's not what he wants. And so because of that, there's this faith that rises in you that says, no, that's not what the word of God says. No, that's not what God wants. And that faith is what activates that, that power that's released in people's lives. So that they can begin to, to see the restoration and the wholeness and the fullness that God wants them to live in be brought to pass in their lives and so what's what's so awesome is no matter where you are in your life right now no matter what place you're at that is applicable at all times God has a dream for you for your life a plan and it is unbelievable it's amazing and it's always applicable today wherever you walked in here with whatever doubts you might have had whatever misconceptions you might have had it doesn't matter God still has a powerful, amazing plan and dream for your life. And you can step into it at any moment that you choose to. At any single moment that you choose to. Right? And, and when, we, when we get to know God, when we get to be friends with Him, and we understand what He's done for us, how He died for us, how much He gave up for us, this grace that we have, that we've just received, it's just been imparted to us as a free gift. When we start to grasp how amazing that is, you just can't help but be on fire and passionate to want to serve the one that did that, to want to make him happy, to want to live the life that he has for you. And you just burn with that passion and that fire on a daily basis to just stay the course and just keep finding your way along this path that God's already preordained for you. He's, when you grasp that grace that we have from Him, there's just no other, there's just no other response, spiritual response than to, to dedicate your life to serving and living for Him. And then you get to see all the great things happen as a result of that. He's just that good. That's the way He chose to set it up. And I love that. And I love that. And as we move forward in this plan that God has for us, and we walk it out, you've got to know, you've got to know that God is supplying and making provision and making available every necessary thing you need to see that fulfilled. Every resource, every skill, every relationship, I could go on and on. God is... He's not missing items on the checklist, okay? 
He makes everything available. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says that he makes all grace abound to you for every good work. And everything God has for you to do is a good work. So there's never going to be, if you're walking with him and you're in faith with, with him providing what's necessary, there's never going to be a moment where you're shortchanged or you're shorthanded. You're always going to have the necessary things that you require of God in order to live the life that he is, that he is purposed for you. But many times we find ourselves in these moments, and let's just be honest, let's be real right here. We find ourselves in these moments where we maybe don't quite grasp that. We look around and we, we sense purpose, we, we have a mission or we have something we wanna do, but for some reason we feel like we just are shorthanded. We don't have enough to do it. We're, we're missing things. And sometimes, it's a matter of we're not really walking in faith. We're not really trusting what I talked about a second ago, that God is making things available, that he's supplying all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Maybe there's doubt there on that. Maybe we're not really active in our faith in those truths. We say it, but we're not really in faith in it. And, and when that happens, we can look around and we can miss things. We can see, not see that we have what's needed when really we do. But other times, it's something quite different. And that's where I want to go with the heart of my message today is that other times we look around and we feel we don't have what's needed. We feel we're missing things because we're misinterpreting the things that we actually do have. We're just discounting the value of what's already in our hands. We're just underappreciating, if you will, in terms of the value we're esteeming to it. We're underappreciating or valuing the whole realm of the blessings and things that God's already poured out to us in our lives. And we fail to realize the potential that lies in those things that we do have. When God blesses us, when He pours out things from heaven, when He gives us good things, all every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Every good and perfect gift, everything that's good in our lives comes from Him. And when He pours out those blessings on us and we have them in our lives, our response to that is stewardship, is to use those things in the most stewardly way that we possibly can so that God can bring amazing things to pass in our lives. We can look around and think that we're missing everything that's needed for some amazing work or some amazing plan, when in reality, we've actually got everything we need right in our hands right now to get started and to get moving. And I wanna to talk to you about today about a man that, that, that found that out oh so well, and that's Moses. And that's in the book of Exodus. Whenever God had called him on the backside of the desert, he had been in the desert for 40 years after he fleed from Egypt, you know, he found out that, he, he, the, that the Jews were his people and he saw the oppression that was happening to them in Egypt when he was actually a, a prince in Egypt at the time. You probably know the story. And so he saw the oppression that was happening to his people and, he, and he, he got upset when one of the slaves was being beaten and he stepped in and intervened to try to keep this Egyptian soldier from killing the slave or beating the slave to death. Moses himself ended up killing this Egyptian soldier uh, in the process of defending him. So he flees to the backside of the desert to a place called Midian. And he dwells there for 40 years, shepherding 
the flock of his father-in-law, the, the, the father of the woman that he was given to marry. And he shepherds this flock for 40 years. And then one day, one day as he's walking around, just a day like probably every other day for the past 40 years, walking around in the desert of Midian, shepherding sheep, all of a sudden he sees something he's never seen before. He sees a bush, it's burning, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. That would get your attention, right? I mean, hey, I, I've seen bushes burn, but I've never seen one burn and actually not burn up, like be consumed. So Moses goes over there and God begins to speak to him about a mission and a, a purpose that he has for his life to go back to Egypt and to bring his people out of bondage. He's heard the cries of the people of Israel and he's sending Moses because he wants to deliver them, he wants to free them, and he wants to bring them out of captivity into the promised land. And so what happens from that point on is where I wanna dive into today. And I want us to really think about this because Moses, he got this picture of this great vision for what God was gonna do, but he, he, he missed it in the beginning that he felt like he didn't have any of the things necessary for him to be able to fulfill this mission God was calling him to. All he saw was the lack of things that he, he had, the things that were missing that he felt were necessary for this to happen. And he failed to see all the things that were already there that God had given him. So I'm gonna pray as we get into this. Father, again, we thank you today. I ask you to just speak through me, to just use my words to minister your truth to people's hearts. Help us to grab hold of amazing and powerful things today that you have for us. Holy Spirit, be with us every second as we sit and we, we visit with you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Dan. Awesome. You know, I, I'm guilty of this too, that, that I'm talking to you about as far as not feeling like you've got the things that you need. You know, whenever I was originally uh, called into ministry about four years ago now, you know, I, I didn't have a ministry background at all. Uh, quite different. I was in, I had a more of an entrepreneurial background. And look, just being honest, there were moments and times where I was thinking, like I was excited. I knew God was calling me to do this, but then, you know, you kind of get back to, uh, you start looking at natural things, and, and I would start to doubt, you know. I think, man, I've just, I've never, I've never been involved in, uh, in, in the church. I haven't, I didn't grow up in the church. I, I haven't had experience pastoring. I mean, you know, all these things that you start to think. I'm not some Bible scholar, you know. I haven't been to seminary for 10 years, and all these things that you, you kind of feed yourself these false ideas of what you're really going to need to do what God is calling you to do. Isn't it funny how we do that? Like you, you start to feed yourself these ideas and really all you're doing is maybe the enemy's doing it. Maybe your, your flesh is doing it or a little bit of doubt mixed in, but you're kind of giving yourself all these false ideas of you don't have what's needed for what God just called you to do. And then I started to think about it more, and thankfully God's voice became a little louder than the other voices that were in my head. And, uh, you know, he started to show me that 
look, I, had a, I, I went to school for business and I learned a lot about finance and about running businesses and organizations. And then I had my own business uh, in financial services for six years. And so I, I learned a lot about sales and about working with people and about you know, caring about people's needs and being able to uh, help lead them to good decisions that were, that were good for them. I learned a lot about leadership, about recognizing the potential in people they didn't see for themselves and helping to bring that out and help them rise to the to the potential that was in them and leading them and being a good example as a leader and then I, I worked in construction with a family business for a number of years learned a lot about working hard and about really appreciating every dollar that I brought in and, and and leading people in places where it was really tough to do that where people you know weren't quite uh, seeing things the same way that you did they didn't have value for the same things you did but you still had to lead them and I started thinking about all this stuff God was showing me and he's like Look, I've wrote the perfect resume for you. I have, you know, I, you, you, you're looking around, you're seeing all the things you don't have, and, and I'm trying to show you that I didn't make any mistakes here. I've taken you through everything that I've wanted to take you through to prepare you exactly for what I have called for you to do. You're not lacking anything. Now, are you going to grow more as you move on? Of course. Are there going to be things as you move forward you're going to continue to need out there that you don't have yet? Of course. But I have given you everything you need to start moving on this journey right now that I've called you on. And such is the case at any moment we find ourselves in our lives when it's time to step out and move for God, when it's time to go and do something he's calling us to do. Don't feel like you're missing a bunch of things that you've got to first of all acquire before you start going. That's the whole point that Moses, that we can learn from Moses here when we jump into Exodus chapter 3. So I'm going to start out in verse 11, after the burning bush experience and God speaking to Moses, let's really look at the response that Moses is giving to God here. Because He's, he's sort of feeding stuff back to God that we kind of feed in our heads with doubt or inadequacies or lacking of certain things, right? So Moses, uh, or actually God's saying to Moses, uh, verse 10 actually, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And then I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, God back to Moses, I will certainly be with you. And this, shi this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. So God's speaking to him in a burning bush. He's calling Moses over on the backside of a desert saying, I'm going to deliver my people out of Egypt. I want you to go. I'm going to send you. And Moses' reaction is, and we laugh at this, but if we're honest, this is probably how many of us have reacted at times. Moses' reaction is like, oh, God, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I think you got the wrong person, actually. Uh, we're in Midian. Did you know that? Like, we're on the backside of the desert. I'm a shepherd. Yeah, you know, 40 years here. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you, God, but I think you got the wrong person. As if God would do that. Oh, huh. I, you're right. I, I'm, there's a lot of people here in this world. You know, I just, I overlooked a couple. I, I, I made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. When he started burning that bush and he started speaking to Moses, he knew exactly who he was talking to. Didn't he? 
And can I tell you something? When he gets your attention, when he puts a desire in your heart, he knows who he's talking to also. He knows exactly who he's talking to. And Moses reacts as if God somehow made a mistake. Now, it's not that he necessarily doubts God as much as that he really doubts himself, right? We agree on that? Is that he's really thinking about who he is and what God's just told him he's going to do. And he's like, this, doesn't, this isn't lining up, right? There's too many, too many disconnects here. I'm not, I'm not the guy for the job. But it's funny. What God says is, I will be with you, which is really all we need to hear. If we're really honest, if we really think about it, the basis of our faith, that Christ is in us and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and as we walk, he'll never be away from us, just like Katie was saying earlier. If we really grasp that, that's all we should ever need to know because God's more powerful than anything or anyone, and if he's there with us leading the way, then that's really all we ever need, despite what lack of things we think we have in ourselves. God's response to him is just simply, I am with you. And then in verse 13, Moses says to God, well, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, they're going to say and say to them that, hey, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, well, what is his name? What, what shall I say to them? So Moses is just, he's kind of throwing another objection back here at God. He's like, okay, well, say I go. Fine. All right. Say I go. And I get there and I'm telling them these things. They're not going to believe me. Who, who, who am I going to tell them, is, telling them that God sent me? I mean, they're going to start asking me a bunch of questions. Come on, God, have you thought this through, you know? That's kind of how he's, he's looking at this. He's already out ahead here about the things that are going to happen, and he's already picking up on more things that he's missing, like, you know, really these are just kind of excuses not to do it, right? He's feeding them back. And, and so God just says, look, I am who I am. <sighs> wow. We could go a lot of places with that today, but I just want to say that right there, that's all he needs to say. I am who I am. I am God, and I am with you. I'm the God that created everything. I'm the God that sets everything in order. I'm the God that reigns over the entire universe. I'm the one that's with you. I am who I am has sent you. So God proceeds from here in like verses 15 through 22. We're not going to read through those. But he, he goes on to tell Moses about all these amazing things uh, that he's going to do when he sends him. He's, he's describing some of these awesome events, right, which is great. I mean, Moses is getting a chance to get a little glimpse of what's about ready to unfold through his walk of faith here that God is setting him on a course for. So this is awesome. And guess, guess what Moses' response is after this? God's saying, these are all the things we're going to do. Now, if he's knowing that that's going to happen, he's got, you'd think that he's got to start thinking, the doubt's got to start diffusing and, and fizzling away here. God's telling him all these amazing things he's going to do when he sends him. And guess what Moses says? Well, in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answered and said, but, but suppose that they don't believe me or listen to, to my voice. Suppose they say, no, the Lord really hasn't appeared to you. So he just kind of comes right back all over again, and he's throwing this other objection to God. It's, it's basically saying to God, God, you're wrong about what you're saying. I know you think I can, but I can't. I know you think this can happen, but it really can't. There's too much missing here. I'm not the guy for this. He just keeps coming back at God because in his mind, what does he think? 
He thinks that he needs to be all these things that he's not, when in reality, that's not true. He thinks that he needs to be some great, eloquent speaker. He gives God that objection in a, in a little bit here. I'm, I'm not eloquent in my speech. I'm slow in my speech. And God's like, well, I, you've got Aaron with you. Aaron's your brother, and, you know, he's, he's going to be with you, and he's a great speaker. So did you, did you miss that one, you know? So Moses is throwing all these things back at God of why he isn't the right one for the job. And God just is continuing to come back, and I would add rather patiently at this point, to reaffirm Moses that he didn't screw up, that he is a... Moses, I hate to say this, but I know a little bit more than you. I see a little bit more than what you see, and I'm right on this one, okay? I'm right on this one. You need to trust me. So then God asks Moses... The million-dollar question. And just throw that phrase out today. But this is the question that God asked Moses that I believe is the shifting question that we should all listen to and let God ask us right here today where we are. He says to Moses, Moses, what is that in your hand? What is in your hand? And Moses looks, he's, it's, he's got a staff. He's got a staff. It's a shepherd's staff. He's a shepherd. He shepherds sheep. He's got a staff, right? That's their tool of the trade. And so Moses says, well, it's a, it's a rod. It's a staff. And then God shows him through his staff that everything he's got in his hand is everything that he needs for the journey that he's about ready to go on. That Think about this for a second. What did Moses not see? He had been a shepherd for 40 years, shepherding sheep. And now he was about ready to go be a shepherd to God's people. He was about ready to go lead them. He knew a little something about shepherding. He knew a little something about leading. He knew a little something about carrying a staff, right? Moses already, we talked about how he had stood up for one of the, the Jewish slaves and stepped in and defended him and kept the Egyptian soldier from killing him. And he, Moses ended up killing that man, of course, himself. But he stepped up for what was an injustice. He, he sacrificed of himself for someone that was innocent. And then we know that when Moses went out to the desert, this is back in chapter 2, that one of the first things that happens is there's seven women that are daughters of the priest and they're out getting water, and there's seven other shepherds or other shepherds that come along that try to uh, that try to attack them or overtake them. And Moses defends these these seven widows so that they can get the water and bring it back to their father. And then when the father learns of this, he wants to bless Moses. That's how Moses ends up marrying his wife. It was one of the seven daughters. So Moses, look, he was a courageous man. He had shown courage. He had shown the ability to stand in the face of danger and not be shaken or intimidated. To know whenever it's time to do what's right, I'm not worried about what's of my, I'm going to lay myself down. He had shown that courage. And he had been that shepherd for the last 40 years in the desert that God had had him on. And now it was time for a new mission. And Moses was missing all of this that he already had an amazing amount of experience and qualities and things that God had really poured into him and blessed him with the ability to do that were exactly what he needed to start taking the first steps back to Egypt. 
He didn't have to all of a sudden go through a bunch of training courses. He didn't need to get a whole bunch of people around him. He didn't need to get a king's robe and royalty and all these things that in Moses' mind he thought he needed because the job that he was looking to do in his mind required all that. And God says quite the contrary. What is in your hand right now? I'm calling you right now. I know what you have. You've got enough. You've got enough to do what I am calling you to go do to walk out this journey that I have you on. You know, you guys remember that movie, The Karate Kid? Okay, that was really famous when I was a kid. And I watched it, I don't know, hundreds of times probably. But you remember the whole like wax off, wax on thing, right? I mean, everybody knows that. So what happens? Omiyagi, right, he's got Daniel's son sanding the floor and waxing the cars, right, painting the fence. And Daniel's doing all these things. And he, he starts to think that like he's, a, he's like, you know, Miyagi's little slave, his whipping boy or something, right? And finally he gets real frustrated one day with Mr. Miyagi. He's like, I'm done. I've had it. You're supposed to be training me in karate. This was the agreement we made. And, you know, I'm done. I'm, I'm getting ready to head. I'm, I'm hitting the road and forget about you, right? And then Miyagi, what does he do? He says, stop Daniel's horn. You know, he says, show me Santa floor. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, show me Santa floor. Ah, ah. He starts throwing punches. And all of a sudden, Daniel, pew, 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 you know, he started like a little ninja all of a sudden with his little wax on, wax off, and his paint defense. And he's blocking these punches, and he's stopping these kicks. And he's like, light goes off in his head. He's like, oh, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And it all of a sudden occurs to him that all of this training, all these things that have been going on have not just been availing him to finish a job of painting a fence or waxing a car, that he's been learning some amazing techniques along the way that he's way more qualified to get into a fight all of a sudden right now today than he ever realized he was before. He had some things that, had, that he had acquired along this journey that Miyagi understood he had, but Daniel's son didn't quite get he had until the moment of truth and pressure and adversity started to happen. And then they showed themselves out, right? And look, same way here with Moses. God is... He's thinking, I'm not, I didn't make any mistakes, Moses. I, I, I was with you for the past 40 years. I knew this day was coming well before you ever did. I know exactly how the next 40 years turns out, and you don't. Why would I come to you and talk as if you're the guy for the job and tell you it's time to go if, if you're not and you don't have what you need, right? God doesn't send us empty-handed on missions, he doesn't send us empty-handed into the calling that he has for our lives. Yes, it's true that more of his power and more of his blessings and riches unfold to us as we walk along. But we can take steps now, today. We're not paralyzed. And that's what happens many times is we we get a sense or we get a hold of a vision or a mission or some purpose that God has for us in our lives and then we survey the resources, the skill level, the talents, the abilities, the experiences, and we see something completely different than God sees. And we feel like we don't even have anything close to what we need. And then we get paralyzed. We stop and we never take a step because then we become busy about the business of trying to acquire the things that we really don't need but we think we need and we spend our time doing that. 
I can only imagine what God is thinking. Like, I called you when I called you because you're ready to do what I'm telling you to do. You, like, have what you need right now. What's in your hand? What is in your hand? Right? He's calling us at any moment, at any point that we're in in our lives to examine what are the beauty of the blessings and the experiences and the things that God has taken you through, that you've went through in your life? And what do you see? And then stop and think about it. What, what do you think God sees? And if God is the master of all the plans that he is formulating for your life, let's submit to the fact, let's just, let's have faith in the, in the fact that God has given us so much more than we probably realize we actually do have. What is in your hand right now? I guarantee you, every single person here today, in your hand, that's a metaphor, right? But what's in your hand? Every single person today has riches and blessings in their hand that God has poured out to you over however many number of months, years, days, whatever. You've got things in your hand right now that you can be using, that you can be applying, that you can be doing something with that is part of what God wants to use you for, that he wants to do through you. And perhaps, just perhaps, you're undervaluing it. You're not accounting it for the potential that's actually there that God is, just like Moses was doing. Look, if Moses could do this, guess what? We can do this too. We can get these false perceptions just like he did, right? But yet Moses, he just continues to ask God and continues to sort of petition God back like he doesn't have what's needed. And then finally it goes on to say that God actually grew angry with Moses. It says that because Moses just kept coming back to him and back to him and back to him. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, don't have, don't have, don't have, don't have. And finally it says that God grew angry with Moses. And then he says to him in chapter 4, verse 17, you shall take this rod in your hands with which you shall do the signs that I'm sending you to do. He just, he just sort of comes back to this point. Look, take what you have in your hand right now and do something with it. I, I've given you enough to embark upon this journey that I'm speaking to you about today. What is in your hand. And it's interesting that when Jesus fed the multitudes, the 5,000 and the 4,000, right? He did that twice. What he essentially did to the disciples was kind of the same thing in a way that God is doing to Moses right here. When the disciples were coming, the people are hungry. Uh, we don't have enough food. You know, we've got like five loaves and a few fish or whatever. And there's thousands here. Jesus, we got a problem. <laughs> we don't have enough for what you're saying we need to do. And what does Jesus say? He says, just bring me what you have. What do you have? What do we have right now? What do we have? Uh, we've got a few loaves and a few fish. And then God begins to multiply. Jesus begins to multiply. Thousands are fed. Look, God doesn't need you to bring the increase. That's his part. He just needs you to recognize what you have in your hand and do something with it. Bring it to him with faith. Come to him in faith. Say, okay, here we are. What are you going to do, God? 
here's what I've got. I'm willing to use what I got for you. I'm willing to apply what I have right now and didn't just lay it all on the line because I know you're the God of increase and you can make this thing turn into so much more, right? When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, you know what he said to the people that were standing around before he did that? Move the rock. <laughs> he said, move the rock. You move the stone, I'll raise the dead, yeah. right? God is just looking for us to do what we can do. He's just looking for us to use what we have and not recognize what we don't have or, or spend our time surveying all of the lack or, or insufficiencies whenever he's telling us he's a God that supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He's just asking for us to step up to the plate at any given moment, at any given time, and use what we have in our hand to the best of our abilities and watch and see how much he doesn't increase. I'm looking around. There's people with amazing gifts and talents in this room. There's people with resources, connections, relationships, skill levels. There's all kinds of stuff right here in this room. I, I'm just seeing it, looking around and all the people I know. And I'm thinking to myself, how much if we laid all that stuff out that we have right now, if we all came like the people with the seven loaves and the bread, if we all laid it up here right now, what we have to work with, it'd probably fill this room up, actually. It's far, I'd far, I'd far more than a few loaves and a few fish. But are we actually bringing that to God? Are we bringing that to him? Oh, we just sort of leaving it somewhere, not even recognizing it, putting it away on the shelf because we think it's useless. Or we don't think it's enough. Or we just don't think it's ready. Or we just don't think it's good enough. Or there's just, God just, you know, you're missing something. God's not missing anything. He's not missing anything. I dare to say that if there's anything that's being missed, it's on our end, not on God's. Amen? Amen. So this is what I want to, yeah. I want to ask the team to come back up here and I just, I want to lead us in a prayer because I've got more to say about this and I'm going to, I'm at this point right here, I'm not, I can't get into the rest of how we handle what's in our hands, managing the blessings of God. That, that's, I think I'm going to save that for next week because I got too much to talk about and I don't want to just try to touch on a few points here but there's something really powerful in this I do believe because if people that are children of God could just sort of all have one moment just rise up and just grab what's in your hand and actually start moving with it like can you imagine what might happen seriously can you imagine what might happen